0: i'm aaron armstrong i'm pete moran and we love to watch well at least i know how to pronounce well you
1: don't know if They didn't get a lot of things right in this movie. So you don't know if they got that right either.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, well, Aaron, we've, after, after
1: weeks of being excited for what we're about to talk about, uh, we, we take a little bit of our lumps, Peter, we're taking some lumps. lumps, check them out, but not say the type of lumps that hide, uh, hide certain people's eyes or uh we'll talk about it. I Peter I I know we said that neither of us had seen this movie and that we had heard it wasn't very good
0: and we're like but maybe we'll like it. Yeah, like I I, I I've enjoyed trash before and like this movie has I for me personally it has quite a pedigree. The cast is very yep. impressive. I'm not saying they're well cast, but the cast itself <laughs> is very impressive. Yeah, on pa- on paper, the cast is good. Yes, um, the director is one of my good. favorite sort of like trash auteurs, Neil Marshall. Um, this is the Crime Game. Interview also... with a Vampire.
1: <laughs> I know it's Neil. Jo- I'm just kidding. I'm seeing if you're you gonna
0: you decide how how bad to correct video. me confusing all the neils like that is just as bad as confusing all the hell boys i do think what
1: i uh, that's maybe specifically funny to me because i i do think when i saw um fuck what's his first movie oh uh, the descent when i was like or that's not his first movie that's the second movie but uh when i saw that i'm like the crying game guy did this one <laughs> <laughs> quite a shift first name's neil both their last names can be first names you know I called Wesley Snipes Wesley Nielsen. I mean, it, You know, these things happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, where we love to watch for movie podcast, we pick a theme, we do movies over the course of that month around that theme, and we're doing uh, our, our double month. We're almost near the end. Thankfully, we made some scheduling changes, so this isn't how we were ending our amazing double month. Uh, but we're doing um, Blade Boys, Del Toro, and Magnolia go to Hollywood or Super's Adventures in Hollywood, where we're covering. The Blade and Hellboy movies through the lens of the auteurs that brought them to the screen. And this, we're coming to our last movie. We're going to end the month, rightfully so, talking about the (laughs) eight months worth of, of, or 25 years worth of comic books that Peter and I have just read over the last eight months. uh, And talk about some stuff that we just, uh, Peter and I have actually been reading it since November of 2020, but we haven't been talking too much about it knowing that it was going to be in the episode. So uh, that could end up being a... Five hour episode that is indecipherable unless you've recently read 25 years of comic books. But we're really excited about it. I definitely think it's the better place to end this month because that is starting to read those comic books. Me for the first time, Peter is a reread along with his good buddy uh is what inspired us to do this double month in the first place. Uh But today, unfortunately, we're talking about a movie that we hoped because we were so... Into the the Hellboy stuff that we would, and we knew that at the very least that these movies were, you know, pulling stuff from those from those books into, uh, you know, a, the a movie medium. Like at the very least, it would be kind of cool to see some of that stuff. And I will say on that alone, it does okay. I think. I think from a uh I think there's some some good special effects, some good visualizations, some of the character design. I have some like that's the part like visually, some of this movie works really well for me, and it's like a it's a cool thing to see after reading that. That's about where the movie successes stops for me. Um everything about else about this movie is not good. <laughs> um and i I, we're gonna get into all the specific ways that it is not good but uh yeah i um i was really hoping that there was at least something that like uh, as a hellboy fan i could sink my teeth into here uh and i
0: yeah Uh, what i I was hoping for here was a a bad fun pulpy yeah a bad adaptation but a good movie I I like lots of movies that are horrible adaptations that completely yeah. misunderstand the source material or just completely throw them out in out the window. Like there's the obvious ones like Starship Troopers, but like I like plenty of movies that are adaptations of big big franchises and completely misunderstand. I even like, I love the super Mario brothers movies with Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. I talk about that movie all the fucking time. We talk about it on the show all the time. I love, I love that movie. It's a terrible adaptation of the Mario brothers, but (laughs) yeah, but unfortunately this ain't no super Mario brothers movie. Uh, No, but,
1: but I, I actually did not think that was going to be the case. That was not what I was hoping for Peter only because I feel like bad adaptation, good movie usually results in good reviews um there's always the people that are like that's not what i pictured but you end up getting this movie basically has no good reviews it was and it was so i the studio was so worried about it that it wasn't screened for critics and then when the critics did see it they're like yeah this is terrible so like yeah i was holding a out hope. the critics or the fans yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. we made it for no one, not even the director, because as we'll talk about, this movie had a lot of on uh, set drama. And this 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 movie feels like as I read more about the making of it uh, uh, or, or the creation of it, the conception of it to uh, to the actual making of it and releasing of it and editing of it. Peter, the fact that, like, this is even a movie at this point is surprising to me because this whole venture was, like, just feels doomed. The the amount of people that didn't like each other or were, you know, were, like, doing things out of weird spite or trying to, like, put control into place actually does have me convinced that they're, like – I think, Peter, you and I were on the same page when this movie was coming out. It was like, okay, cool that they're going for more horror movie. I'm not happy that we're not getting Hellboy 3, but this could be fun and good. And at least we're getting another Hellboy movie based on all the pedigree that you talked about. And I would actually say that I'm willing to
0: compromise with reality.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you have to. Um, uh, like, you don't want to be one of those fucking nerds that's like deathly defending uh, fucking uh, Justice League because you want uh, you want to see a new Zack Snyder movie so bad. Like, I mean. Like, it's okay to just be like, yeah, it's, it's not that good, or, oh, I wish they did another Superman movie, or something like that, and like... Or, if you uh, really
0: want to stand a director, blame the producers. Like, that's... We spend so much time on the show blaming producers and money men for movies being fucked up. Like... When, yeah. when in reality, the director might have just been disengaged because like we just well, you have to you have to kind of guess. And if the director has a good track record, but the <laughs> producer doesn't, you just you throw it on the producer. Well, and this is a movie, though, that like so much
1: stuff was was constantly against it that I actually am more convinced than ever that. My initial reaction to like, well, I'm not excited that they're doing a non-Del Toro movie and they're doing a reboot. But if they had to do a reboot, everything on paper here looks okay. I'm actually convinced that that paper still still checks out uh, minus potentially the fucking uh, the main person. (laughs) Um, I'm not convinced that David Harbour seemed like a great choice for Hellboy. I I like David Harbour quite a bit. I got to tell you. He is the anchor around a ship that's already sunk, so he's not—he's <laughs> not necessarily pulling it all the way down because there's still a fucking hole in the ship and the ship's going down. But he is—he's re- going to be at the bottom of the ocean, and he's going to help the sink uh, the ship go down even quicker
0: with all that weight. Uh, yeah, pulling it. Really unfortunate scenario when they cast David Harbor. I was like, you know, I love Ron Perlman. Love him to pieces. I I want Ron Perlman to be my uncle. I don't want him to be my dad. He'd probably be kind of a weird dad, but an uncle, like, I don't know. Just, like, for some reason, shove $200 in your breast pocket one day. Like, that kind of uncle. He seems like a cool dude. People seem to love him. He just, like, he's clearly, like, he's, like, a yeoman kind of actor. He just kind of, like, goes from set to set, seems to have a great time. He, like, there's all these weird stories about him being, like, doing weird romantic gestures for his wife. Like, he just, he seems like a nice dude. He's funny as fuck. But, like. I, I, I'm I willing to put that aside, just like I'm willing to put aside Del Toro, who I idolize in a way that, like, is probably unhealthy, um, in, in in favor of allowing David Harbour, a younger actor, to step up and do this movie. And he is – him and his makeup design, it's 50 feet, yeah. are – it's he, I call him Spud Boy because he just looks like a big fucking potato, big red potato, and it's it's half him, it's choices he make he makes, and half the fact that whatever makeup he has in just makes him look like a, a potato. Like he he can't emote properly. He no. constantly it's it's like they they followed the hellboy plots like silent sea and, and and such where it's just about hellboy being like you know drunken on the road and they were like yeah but what if he looks like a 40-year alcoholic <laughs> it's miserable yeah and he's, miserable. and he's constantly like i can't also like he... i can't
1: look at the lead actor in the movie no no and, and on top of that like The dialogue that they give him is terrible. He's bad at performing. Like, I don't think it's just the makeup. I think his performance is, I don't want to say necessarily bad, but like what he is just miscast or at least whatever performance he was trying to give based on what the director and the script entailed is like just not done right. And also it's, we'll get into this. It is such a confusing portrayal because I don't know what he's trying to portray as Hellboy. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. We need to save that for the movie proper because that's like a 20-minute discussion. But, like, (laughs) I, like, I, again, it's not just the makeup. It's not just the acting. It's not just the dialogue. It is, like, what characterization are you giving him? Because it definitely doesn't match the comics that this is supposed to return to the roots for. And instead is, like, this whole new thing that is... Just drastically at odds with everything else that the movie's trying to do, and yeah, I I think like you said, like, but even Hellboy, like in his alcoholic benders in the comics, he's not like a a whiny twelve year old who who complains about how he's just sad and he sits there. Yeah. And he doesn't want to get like it's bizarre. We'll talk about it, but I think it makes sense to really just get into it because why why did this movie come out? I don't know if it's Google's fuck you to everyone, but if you look at Hellboy 2019, it says Hellboy 3. <laughs> Google thinks this is a sequel. as a, as a as, But that makes
0: sense, right? Because it started. Because it is technically carrying on past the storyline of two into the final apocalypse arc of... But it's supposed to be younger before he met Abe, and that's like David
1: Harbour's defense. is like he was supposed to be playing a more... A younger, less mature, and that's why they didn't like me in why? the role. But that does, that doesn't track at all.
0: Why did they have the Blood Queen shucked into? Why did Why middle, did they try to a do all entry the entry or a reboot yeah. entry of all of this? When like I, I can't, we can't, we can't do it. We, we can't. We, okay, we have, so let's yeah, do, hold
1: on. Part of the baffling is we'll talk about in the production stuff because like no one really had control of this movie. It's why they didn't screen it for critics because of all the um, infighting between producer director editors cinematographers and apparently david harper um so yeah this movie did so they were going to make a hellboy 3 right after 2008 uh it was planned to start going into production in 2012 like all of the (laughs) the ancient curses that del toro has uh somehow like he must have like visited a pyramid at some point and just like broke everything um because he has a lot of uh uh, curses that seem to follow him about movies that are greenlit and then somehow never get made. Uh, I did see an article that blames Del Toro for that, um, which was odd to me, and I didn't drill into any further, but it was the first time I've ever seen like, them blaming like, Del Toro's uh, naturally can't focus on one thing for very long, and so he talks a big game, but then gets excited about something else, and that's why studios won't greenlight his movies. For, that's not true. But, uh, yeah, I,
0: did not track with me. It was no, very. This is odd all it's, it's a pitch system. D- Del Toro yeah. knows that he has a fan base and that he has a million little nerd blogs that will get excited about the prospect of a new Del Toro project. Yeah. And so he knows. So that he if puts he wants to get a project off the line. Yeah. yeah. He can give himself a little bit extra gas if producers are like, "Hey." I heard Del Toro's trying to do this weird Lovecraft adaptation. And then he gets his meetings. The problem is he gets into the meetings and as charming as he is, he's not very good at, Compromising with producers or outright outright lying no. to producers to get his project made. I'm not saying he should be better at either of those things. Uh, the point is he gets all the meetings. He gets meetings with Netflix. He gets meetings with HBO. He he writes his script. He gets the script ready. He 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 gets all that stuff going, and it's because he does this press tour thing. And anybody that doesn't understand that either hasn't been working very long or is just annoyed at him for. Uh, announcing projects that never come to fruition. He's <laughs> manipulating this annoying blogger system that we have to try and get movies made. Which it, it, it would be amazing if the blogger ecosystem could actually get something made, but it doesn't seem to happen. Yeah, I think
1: that's right. It was just a weird one-off that I read. I'm like, I don't. That doesn't track with anything I know. But apparently, this person has a weird x to grind. But anyways, so uh, he don't do Hollywood. The, I don't. Yeah, they, they decided to not. Even though Hellboy 2 actually was more successful than the first one, both uh, domestically and internationally, it made about $170 million uh, internationally on, like, a, I think a $65 million budget. Uh, they just decided that they wanted to focus on other things in 2012. The movie gets scrapped. Cut to 2016, and, uh, and Deadpool comes out. It's an R-rated movie. Uh, uh, movie that shows that superheroes can be a little bit uh, off the template that had kind of been established with these uh, big, big name superheroes, PG 13 trying to create a universe uh, type movies and uh, Pearlman uh, who actually just recently also got del Toro excited about how good he still looks as Hellboy Cause he did like a make a wish uh, thing Again, for in like Perlis 2015. Where
0: adorable weird uncle.
1: Yeah, where he, where he, uh, the kid wanted to meet Hellboy and he went in with all the Hellboy makeup and everything else. Like he got the same makeup artist to do it all for him. And, uh, I think Del Toro was either there or like tweeted pictures of him and stuff like that. And that got him excited about how good he still looked as Hellboy. And then Deadpool's a success and Ron Perlman starts, uh, a Twitter campaign that says Hellboy Next hashtag um when 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 at a time when like twitter's abuzz with how successful deadpool ended up being uh i mean that movie made 400 million dollars domestically peter it was this like huge unexpected uh smash and so like you know perlman's kind of trying to ride that wave del toro does this big twitter poll um, around what movie should he make next? Uh, he uh, like something like two hundred thousand people vote for Hellboy three, and he kind of is using that to to your point to start drumming up interest to reapproach the studios to get Hellboy made. Then on top of that, he Shape of Water comes out, huge hit, critical hit, wins Oscars, all the kind of stuff, and he is like putting his cloud around making Hellboy three, his next movie. He's written this script. He wrote it back in twenty twelve. It was ready to go. Um, and that is where he goes to the studio to really try to get it and we don't know exactly what happened we know that through this process Mike Mignola and Del Toro who had started working together on Blade 2 but had been friends before that and had obviously been friends and worked closely together through Hellboy and Hellboy 2 their friendship ends over whatever happens over the next uh, the next year what we do know for sure is that del they had mignola had worked with a couple other guys to write a script that they wanted to do and del toro's like well no i i have the script that i wrote and mignola and the studio basically said that great we'd love to have you back aboard in a producer capacity not as the writer and director and we're going to go a different direction with hellboy 3 And uh, through that, Ron Perlman said, fuck you. Well, Del Toro wasn't interested in doing that for a lot of reasons, Uh, mainly because he'd had this thing like that he wanted to make for a long time. And now they were going to make it, but he wasn't going to get to do it. Uh, And Ron Perlman was kind of like, no way. I'm not going to be a part of that if – if Del Toro's not making a third movie to this, like, and so somewhere through there, basically Del Toro leaves the project, Ron Perlman leaves the project, and they decide to start over and make a reboot out of the script that they had uh, written. Which also kind of, like you said, Peter, it really is hitting some of the ender the, the the ending parts of the Hellboy comics because at some germ of this was supposed to be. Uh, Hellboy 3, although very underlined in circle, not whatever Hellboy 3 script that Del Toro came up with. It was just supposed to be a follow-up that Mignola and a couple other writers had worked on. So, apparently, so then they they do the full reboot. They get Neil Marshall. Um, they get uh, David Harbour. They keep announcing cast members, Ian McShane um, and other as Broom and a bunch of other stuff. And like, I think people do start getting a little bit excited for it um, just because it's like, OK, well, it's not what I wanted necessarily. But on paper, all this kind of sounds OK. Mignola is heavily involved. And and he, what's weird about Mignola, let's just park here. I love Mike Mignola. I love his work. He was apparently very involved, then very angry when... The movie was not received well. And since then has acted like he was barely involved in the writing and served in a executive producer. Sometimes they'd call me with a question capacity, which is also just like extremely odd um, because he was I, I think very
0: Mike like is, is not great at Hollywood. And um, yeah, he he loves the idea of. Yeah, everybody paying attention to him, paying attention to his genius work. Uh, And then when the moment comes for him to actually take ownership for his mistakes, he's like, well, that would hurt my brand and I need my brand to make money. So uh, no, no humility today. Sorry, folks. Well, plus, I mean, 2019, he's ending his
1: 25 year Hellboy arc, too. So he probably is like,
0: we're not going to get a Lady Baltimore uh, Netflix show anytime soon. Right. Like this is. Hellboy well that's is, the thing is, probably is like his meal ticket right yeah well and
1: then uh he was talking about doing a hellboy tv show but after this movie came out he was kind of like no thing like those rumors died i don't know how far so again it is it is weird because he was so actively involved that he he in some capacity pushed del toro out of the project and then when it came out he's like yeah sometimes they would call me with questions but i just had my name on it and uh so definitely there's a little bit of a heel turn uh, for for my, uh for Mike Magnola about like um he kind of first pushed Del Toro out of the project and then essentially pushes himself out from from his own version of history. Yeah. Um and then let's also talk like so why I said like this feels like a little bit doomed um beyond that so you have all that stuff that has like this essentially this 20 year friendship end over them trying to make a third movie of something they tried to make for a long time Um, you know then Mignola's script is supposed to be more horror focused they want to capitalize on R-rated stuff so Neil which, Marshall which could okay.
0: have been which uh, honestly like you you shift some of the timeline of all this and the studio saying yeah. great you can make your Hellboy movie but number three needs to be very violent I could see Del Toro adjusting to that kind of of adjustment. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone would have minded.
1: Del Toro would have been like, no, it needs to be PG-13. He walked away from a movie for them trying to make it PG-13. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think that would have been an issue. And
0: also, the audience for Hellboy 1 at that point would have been old, old enough that they could see a, you know, a, a R-rated Hellboy movie, right? Uh, yeah. I mean,
1: it is weird how like, Peter, you and I had talked about like, A lot of the press leading up to this was, like, finally the gritty version of the Hellboy comics that was always meant to be. And I said when I started reading the comics, it gave me this perception that, like, they were going to be fucking... Tons of swearing. Like, the worst... I, I read a trivia note on this. The worst swear that anyone in the Hellboy comics ever says is one time Hellboy says son of a bitch to someone. Like, there's no swearing in the comics. Nothing can have swearing. I like swearing. I just swore a bunch getting there. Like, it's, it's fine. Uh, but... Uh, and, like, the violence is, like, this stylized blood. It's not, like... It sometimes gets a little grotesque in the ending BPRD
0: stuff. Yeah, BPRD I think throughout throughout War on Frogs and then much much more so in How on Earth gets pretty gory. There's a lot of bodies getting just mulched and, but the, during that there's there's an apocalyptic event going on and you know what it doesn't yeah. have implications of rape. It doesn't have. Uh, people saying yeah. Oh fuck a monster ate my fucking legs <laughs> Like it doesn't have any Get the of, fuck out of here yeah, Get like, the fuck out of here I'm an angry man It doesn't have any of that kind of um that kind of like, edgelordism uh, which is partially why Hell on Earth, despite being incredibly grim, I mean the title is Hell on Earth, um it's not as exhausting as reading like Walking Dead comics because yeah. It's focusing more on this like epic uh, mythological storytelling than it is uh, um, how gritty can we make this product? Whereas, as you said, Aaron, the Hellboy 2019 movie very much leaned into the sort of edgelord. Uh, You know, we're making the next Deadpool kind of marketing. And the movie bears that out, particularly in the soundtrack. Um, Oh, my gosh. And there's moments in the movie I'm like, this is rad. I love all the gore they're using right now. This is this is awesome. And then there's moments where I'm like, did we need to make a a, a stripper joke? Do we need to make an exotic dancer joke? In the middle of my Hellboy movie? Do we need to Do make need a joke? you need to yell so much and
1: say, like... It's just not... It's not Hellboy. Like, why are you like... You fucking piece of shit! So, you have all that that just is all feels all like all this curse shit to get the movie made, right? Then the movie's production is a goddamn fucking mess. Now, I'm going to be Hellboy 2019 and say a
0: goddamn fucking mess. Uh... I, how much did you get into this peter oh very very like cursory very. glance i i remember oh, okay. stories coming out and me being like well Ooh, the trailer was kind of awkward but maybe they'll like you know maybe that's adr they could fix on his voice like uh, maybe that cgi will get punched up like the the, tra- the the trailer kind of uh lent a lent a funny hand to it but like the onset story sounded very bad like it's it sounded like people were getting fired, people were leaving, like... Yeah, uh, so Lloyd
1: Levin, who's kind of a newer producer working under veteran producer Lawrence Gordon, was kind of like, they thought that Neil Marshall... Or he specifically thought that Neil Marshall was this guy that we he was a producer who's like I'm going to hire a director who's going to be a yes man. He's going to do what I say. Uh, and this guy hasn't directed a movie in in ten years or almost that. It, it, I don't know the reason that Neil Marshall hadn't directed a movie since Centurion. Uh, Neil,
0: Neil Marshall. Uh, Neil Marshall's pedigree um, is, is is good. Is actually pretty good. And uh, if you don't uh, like many Neil Marshall movies, uh, you probably like some of his Game of Thrones episodes. He directed a lot of the big battle episodes yeah. of Game of Thrones. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So he was doing TV stuff, but for whatever reason, he doesn't make a movie for nine years. They decide after all the Del Toro stuff that, like, this is a good get, right? Like, they can push him around. They immediately start. So, um, Marshall in all of his movies is the same cinematographer, which is a guy named Sam uh, McCurdy. Uh, he immediately fires him without telling Marshall, and then decides to again spend most of the time filming, trying to let Marshall know that he was not in charge, that he was that um, Levin uh, is was in charge. Uh, the rest of the stories actually come from Levin's lawyer, which tells you how far things got on the set about like. All the stuff that Marshall said about like going through and rewriting scenes without telling them, telling cameramen to set up different ways, telling them how they're supposed to do stuff when he was trying to direct the movie that um, uh, uh, Levin's lawyer said that that's common practice on movie sets and nothing abnormal. And that like Marshall's just trying to stir up things. Also, apparently, uh, David... I'm assuming because Marshall was under this fucking stress, he wasn't all that good of a director, which is really the coach and bringing people together. So um, Ian McShane and David Harbour fucking hated Neil Marshall. Uh, uh, David Harbour would walk off the set, even walked off the set at one point and refused to work anymore uh, with him. And they would constantly rewrite their own lines and refuse to read what was written. Um, And <laughs> like, I don't know, you know, Um, And apparently, like, production got so bad between them that, like, uh, over the design of a tree uh, where Marshall wanted something, like, uh, realistic and symmetrical and Levin wanted something asymmetrical that it shut down production for three days while they had a hissy fit over what this tree was going to look like, Uh, which I assume is the tree where, where, where Nimue is or whatever. But, like, I mean, that's, like that is not conducive to a successful movie where literally the actor is rewriting lines and a producer is supporting him while the director who like has had his veteran cinematographer fired and is like living in this world where the actors aren't speaking to him and producers are telling him that he's not in charge and resetting up shots, changing sound stuff. Like what, like what a fucking nightmare. Like you rarely hear about sets like that. Like, that that is just insane that that's what happened during the making of this
0: movie. It's baffling that the movie even cuts together into a somewhat cohesive <laughs> something narrative. cohesive. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's way too many characters from the comic book pulled in. The yeah, uh, 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 the, the it pulls in. Um, Alice Monaghan as who is in this narrative not a love interest, even though the actor is. 29 or so um like it just wouldn't work yeah. as, a, as a narrative it becomes more of like a fatherly uncle kind of deal whereas in the comic books alice monahan is like it's like, is, it's is like a, is the only love interest, love interest really yeah. um hellboy's only love interest um and then they also pull in a, a great bprd side character who as far as i know hasn't had no interaction with hellboy right in the comics uh yeah never met hellboy in the comics yeah and uh daimyo um he was a great bprd side character and they kind of just reduce him down into like a were panther kind of deal oh i thought when he turned like because what he is in the comics ultimately rules. It's terrifying. Right? It's, it's, terrifying. A, it's, a, it's a true curse. It's, 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 it's something that like weighs on him and is miserable And this. It's just sort of like a, a wear toss jaguar off, tossed off that looks like power.
1: garbage. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah. Like, but yeah, it was cool to see Ben Domingo. I was like, oh, that's who he's playing? And the
0: casting is perfect. That dude is so Casting's hot. Great. Daniel, they, yeah, Daniel Gay Kim. And I, and I remember during production, a white guy They cast, was cast. a white dude. Yeah. And and that actor, uh very I think very wisely for his Hollywood cred uh backed out uh for that reason. He didn't realize him. that he was supposed to be uh Asian American. Yeah, and comics. they it, he yeah. backed out and I think it was very good for his, his uh credibility in Hollywood, but also like it helped the production save face. Um so also kind got of a, him out of
1: this movie, which is probably yeah. good too.
0: Yeah. And again, the guy they passed as Damio is 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 so hot and Great uh, And uh, they just they give him like they give him the scars, but they don't give him like the scar. The character in the comic book essentially has like his his entire he's like half Joker faced because his uh, his cheek is torn open and you can always see his like molars. Um, And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm fine that they didn't go as gory and hardcore for that character as needed. I'm not fine with the fact that they just chucked this character in sort of as a uh, uh, – like, Well, and his uh, commitment you know, is I kill monsters and
1: I want to kill Hellboy. And that like – again, not to say like it has to be the same characterization, but like he was the head of the BPRD for a little bit or at least the field commander or whatever. And it's not like he was like, I got to kill that Abe Sapien guy. Like he he was just a kind of annoying by-the-book military guy. Yeah, he's he he's like. a company man.
0: Um, yeah. And he, he inspires – he inspires a homunculus to become a company man. He inspires yep. uh, Kraus to become more of a company man. Like it's he's a very interesting yep. character and they, they kind of just boil him down to um, can turn into a panther and hates once wants, wants to kill Hellboy. <laughs> yes. And I'm very I'm very disturbed by the idea of this movie just them. F- The script writing process was presumably um, a guy wrote a script and then seven guys wrote a script and certain people throughout that process, presumably Neil Marshall, because I imagine he was somewhat attached to this, this property, were just like, well, it needs to feel more authentically Hellboy. The way we get there is by adding more characters from the comic books or adding more references to the comic books, like Hellboy killing the giants, but they don't actually land any of the emotional like value in those moments like hellboy killing the giants is played with this dumb butt rock soundtrack oh my god i the soundtrack in this movie is so bad dude it's a it's a
1: great one take two of like that actually like works with these (laughs) giant special effects and then it's just fucking ruined by the worst shittiest like rat cover i've ever heard in my life and uh, like that's the other thing like we'll talk about in the movie proper but like this movie for as much as it was like we're gonna pull off a deadpool like it it was also like too many it was inspired by the fact that let's make it a fun soundtrack like guardians of the galaxy and not only is it not fun like the music is not like guardians of the galaxy is actually somewhat successful movies that have tried to imitate that are usually not because guardians of the galaxy has a hook for why that exists. And yes, they're repurposing songs that were in reservoir dogs, but whatever that movie came out at this point, you know, 20 years later, it's okay to reuse a song even for us film nerds, but like it works for that movie. But the idea that like we can do away with scores, uh, in order to make every moment, a joke, fun, Shitty rock song is
0: like, and some of the music just, is actually like by good bands that have produced good music at times. And I'm not even saying like all the songs are bad. Like it just ha-
1: it's constant and it Muse never has ends. Put out good music. Terrible.
0: Black Rebel yeah. Motorcycle Club has good out, put out good music. Like they're. It's it's just sort of – it just turns into this generic sort of butt rock, let's have a fun, vigorous energy appeal. But it, it's not – it It doesn't – it not only doesn't match the Hellboy character, it's that they don't attach that to any sort of um, characterization at all. So, like, the the scene yeah. of him killing the giants is, like, in the comic book, like, a very tragic, dark, and, like – horrible moment of like hellboy having yeah. a moment of realization which is like one of the plots in this movie is like hellboy feels very much torn between worlds which is like if you're going to make a big climactic hellboy movie hellboy feeling torn between the world of the man and the world of monsters is like it's it's a good starting place like conceptually i don't have that many problems with this movie it's it it, it it's all in execution and I I feel like it's probably time we talk about David Harbour's performance because... Yeah, let's just get it. I mean, it doesn't matter which side of the break. I don't know how long. David Harbour is actually a sober guy. I don't know if you know that. Um, David Harbour got off uh, drugs and booze a long time ago. He's a theater actor. um, But he actually plays drunks really well, particularly in... um, in Stranger, Stranger Things. In um, Stranger Things is sort of a show where it like dances the line where it's like his alcoholism is uh, accepted. However, it's ex- it's also like a problem that is distancing him from... Uh, people around him it's making him a worse father figure it's yep. making him a worse boyfriend um and i think he's david reacting too angry to everything yeah i think david harbour is really good in stranger things at this let's talk let's yeah. take one step back and just like to get get ourselves yes he's suppo- he's supposedly getting great reviews for
1: his performance in black widow which makes me happy too
0: i he's a great actor david harbour's a great yeah. actor i was really excited to hear he was cast as hellboy because the idea of this big just like hunk a man again a hot guy I, like Dave, no offense to Ron Perlman we love you Ron Perlman but he is not a hot guy um David Harbour is a hot guy he's got he's got sexy energy he's sort of a he's got the dad bod he's he's a good he's a good looking dude he's huge um, he seems to have like a nurturing quality, but also he's a little wild. Like he's
1: married to Lily Allen, so he's got to be doing something right, huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a he's 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 uh, apparently in real life also very sweet. Let's take a step back and talk about Hellboy as a character. Hellboy, in a character, and partially because it's a comic book, Hellboy feels very stoic. He feels like a guy stoic mo- and sad. He moves very slowly. He's sort of resigned. He's he's like he has a sweet sort of resignation to him. He's sort of like. He's sort of bumming around and it's all based on the fact that the original hellboy comic is 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 very much supposed to uh, conjure like a film noir detective yeah in the first hellboy comic he's talking like a film noir detective like he has a narration in yeah. a way that he doesn't have in later <laughs> later comics but that sort of characterization of hellboy as a as a as a sort of down and out, you know, lightly out, al- functional light alcoholic, uh, you know, guy who wants to save the world, but he has a great deal of empathy for the people around him who aren't monsters. Yeah, that's that's something that's very charming. That's what got me attached to the character because this this idea, this sort of like schlub, but also a schlub with a great deal of power and responsibility. But you know, if that soul we're in the body of just a a regular old Joe (laughs) working anywhere, working, (laughs) working in a museum, working somewhere where you just can, you know, know, clock in clock out. Like he'd be much happier, but he's got all this weight on his shoulders and you just feel such sympathy for him. David Harbour's performance is
1: super. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to, I want to pause there. So yeah. And also like, I think it's just worth noting, like one of the great things about Hellboy in the comics too, is like, he is stoic. He is kind of resigned. But, like, he... The amount of times, like, he just is like, I just want to have a beer. And they eventually, like, part of the reason why the BPRD disappears and becomes its own thing is that Mike McNola was kind of like, yeah, like, I kind of just want him to be a guy who just wants to disappear from the world and... Uh, Because he understands that somewhere along the lines, his destiny is to destroy it. And he loves the world too much, but he's also just sick of fighting monsters. He's a monster. Like, he doesn't have any, like, anger for anyone necessarily. He fights when he's threatened or when he realizes that something needs to be stopped or people are threatening people he cares about. But, like, even with Alice in, like, the back half of the Hellboy books – He's never like, holy, like, he just is like, oh, no, they're coming to get us. Like, it is it is just this like, hey, I'm a monster, too. Like you, you can quit like me. You can quit like you don't have to be a part of this thing. But if you're going to force me to fight like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not I'm going to try my best to survive. But it's always these scrapes that never feel like motivated by like rage or emotion. And that was a little bit of contrast to Ron Perlman's performance, right? Like Ron Perlman was really took, I think the weight of the world, the sadness, but had a little bit more of a Ron Perlman vibe, like very, very explicitly, like that kind of like, he's a little bit sardonic. He's a little bit funnier. He get, you know, he has a lot bigger feelings in some areas, but like the, the David, it, it feels like David Harbour's performance is, it's definitely not channeling the comic books, which ostensibly the rest, the whole idea of this movie is let's get back to the horror mythical comic book stuff. So it's very weird they do that without pulling in any way the characterization of Hellboy that's in those comics, like in any capacity. It's not like, you know, 50-50, like I would say um, – Ron Perlman's Hellboy, but it seems to be taking Ron Perlman's 50% that he added to it and then blowing it up to that's the only
0: part of him is just this angry rageaholic. It took me the entire length of the movie to figure it out, but I was like, he's so ticky. He moves, he's moves so erratically and he's kind of bouncing around the set. He's yelling and there's a desperation in every moment. There's no, there's no resignation in the character. The character is no. just like pissed off and hung over. And the way that I thought about it is like, he has real meth energy in this. It's, yeah, he's it, 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 like a crystal method actor. Um, he's real meth energy in this. Is he, the, the tickiness? He had a great first album, Vegas, but then that was it. And then after that, we're we're cooking, baby. Um, cooking dark garbage, um, galvanized. But he. It, it, the erraticness of the performance, the, the 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 moving around, it never lets you really like sit down and focus in on the character. It never lets you get connected to the character. He's constantly yelling and bouncing around. He, the the only moment that really feels like Hellboy is the in the Baba Yaga's house, and I, and just yeah. we're not going to come back to it. Baba Yaga has a great character design that's a mix of practical and in, in CGI. Great house design, too. Great house design. They have the chicken leg thing. That that scene is fucking so good. Yeah. And um, there's a moment where he has to kiss the Baba Yaga, but he also tricks the Baba Yaga. Like (laughs) all that is is kind of a a cool like itch it, like it, it kind of it still itch. has
1: like 20 percent too much ain't i a stinker energy though
0: yeah but like he's making a little jokes riffing on the fact that like Baba yaga is uh eating little kids that feels very much like that's hellboy's sense of humor like him being yeah. like um what does he what does he say i'm trying to find the the moment um But he's he's sort of like hungover dash panicked in this sort of Hellboy way rather than resigned. And the rage problem issue just never lets you really connect with him. I never never felt sympathy for him, but like there's one moment where he's one on one with the Bobby where I'm like, why is David Harbour a better actor against what's presumably uh, a man or a woman in two people? Is it it two two people? people?
1: Yeah, so there's one that's portraying the head, uh, and then there's an actor who's a contortionist who's portraying the body. And Hell yeah, we're like in the same scenes. Yeah, that's,
0: that's rad. So weird. That's rad. Um, that's really thoughtful. That's really cool. Uh, that's something that like uh, that like I'm really I'm really into. It seems like that scene like David Harbor has has a meal to eat and in. The rest of the movie, he just walks in the scene, and they're like, "Add energy to the scene." And he's like, "All right, I'm yelling in the scene now. Should I Yay. swear more?"
1: Well, that's a, like it. Actually, like reading that, he came up with his own lines, and he wasn't working with Marshall well and stuff like that. Like it does. He basically is portraying Hopper, right? Like Hopper's a hothead who gets drunk and he gets angry and he blows up and he ruins things and like. I was excited to see David Harbour play Hellboy because he's so good as Hopper that I thought he would be a good actor to play a different role. I think his mistake is, is that he's playing Hopper as Hellboy. Like, I mean, he is. I I, I know that seems like reductive or like, well, you just recognize he's yelling and that he's yelling and that. But like, no, like, think about it. Like, he... All the different moments when he kind of loses it and goes overboard at his dad or someone in the military or – he's just so angry that these monsters keep attacking him. And then he – like, they do this weird twist where Hellboy doesn't know where he came from and, like, he gets so angry when it comes revealed that his dad was actually – thinking it was there to kill him. Like, yeah, you're a hell baby. Like, what – what – What do you think he was there for? Like, oh, the adoption agency rejected all my letters. I heard that the Rasputin's raising a devil, baby. Now's my chance to be a dad. Like, it's such a weird, unnecessary twist that comes out of nowhere that just makes him even more angry and want to yell. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, don't do the thing where you have a good role and then you're like, I just need to be this all the time. Because I'll tell you what, Hellboy is not Hopper. And the fact that, like, that's... He decided to take that and a little bit of, like, Ron Perlman's, like, when he's at his most, like, I don't know, even Ron Perlman, when he's at his most, like, emotional is, like, 80% reduced from his, from, from this Hellboy's, like, everyday walking around energy. So, it,
0: I, I don't know. I really hate it. I hate it. I- when Ron Perlman yells, like, at the end of Hellboy 2, he goes, I challenge Prince Nuada to fight me. And he's like putting on the voice of a hero and you can hear he's not comfortable in it. You can hear like, he's like, well, I guess this is the shit I have to do now. And also you all have to hear me. And this is what a hero does. A hero yells out his intention. So here, here you go. Here it goes. Like that's, that's something that, that sort of energy is what Ron Perlman brings to help. Yeah, agreed. And I do, and, and, and David Harbour just brings a, a, a guy who is wandering around town, unsure where his meth dealer is, but but is convinced that everyone else knows that if he just gets to the right volume, am I wrong? He has like a weird, like he has a weird, no, like paranoid, just... erratic energy. The fucking design they did on the suit is. Terrible. It's terrible. It's diabolically bad. The whatever
1: brow thing they're doing with him is like tough to look at. And I also don't like the way they made him again. He's just Hopper. Like, there's that scene in the when he uh, wrestling at the beginning where he's like, man, don't turn into a vampire. Like, remember when we used to like tunes together? You did those stupid little acoustic ones. You know, I listen to real music. It's like, what? what the fuck is this? Like, I've read all the Hellboy comics, and I'm not saying you need to have characterization directly from the comics, but the idea that, like, Hellboy is, like, one of those idiots who thinks that, like, the Scorpions is the only thing of that that equals real music, is also, like, it's not a characterization of Hellboy, it's a characterization of Hopper from Stranger Things. Like, I just... I It just is a huge problem that... Hellboy is written poorly, looks like garbage, and is performed terribly. Like, at the end of the day, all the cool um, Baba Yaga house designs just can't overcome the fact that, like, I legitimately hate the Hellboy as
0: portrayed in this movie. I can't look at the main actor. And this no, is not it's, it's so bad. This is not a movie about somebody who got in a terrible car accident and has a, uh, you know, now has like half their face missing and the whole movie is about like somebody trying to like regain their ability to blah blah blah. That would be uh inspiring and interesting. Instead, you took a character that I really liked and then overcomplicated his physical to the design to the point that the actor can't shine through you give him weird <laughs> creepy little teeth like a little gremlin guy and then I know. and, then, and you the always end, give him angry brow angry brow and so I, i'm just gonna throw this in because there's no other place for it hellboy has famously he's got he's got a right hand of doom okay no other way to say it he's got a right hand of doom okay he's got That's the right stupid. hand of doom and he's got this 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 hand that can he make uses a, a big fucking mallet and he smashes the hell out of people with it. And he uses his other hand with a gun and they never do a thing in this movie with it. It's just like a character design little cutesy tweak. They never really make jokes about it. It's just like a weird little character quirk. and 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 it just shows you how little they wanted to engage with the character that in a two-hour movie this guy's got a massive stone right hand that's indestructible
1: hold on you didn't catch that it's not stone in this movie what is it metal wait what yeah why there's a line where someone says something he's like yeah it's made of metal and he clangs it or something and I looked it up, and I'm like, yeah, they changed it to metal for, like, again, no purpose, because the stone hand doesn't come into anything, but it's just like, uh, ah, stones!
0: That's dumb. No, the, the no, part it's is that it's metal. A, he's an he's ancient evil that happens to be certain. I us. know! P- Peter, I know. Mama. You don't Mia. need to convince me. Yeah, Mama Mia is what I'd say to that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I... I... <laughs> Let's talk about the plot a
1: little, I guess. I don't know. Yeah.
0: You wanna you wanna talk about the plot? Sure. 2019 starts with a prologue so it's the story of how the the queen of blood Nimue uh, how she uh had a war with man the war was bloody and awful and then man uh consigned a treaty with her and her forces um and then uh, betrayed her chopped her body up into pieces but by man of course you mean Merlin and King Arthur,
1: Merlin and King
0: Arthur, yes,
1: which is directly from the comics. Yes, yes. to say, um, although I do like that uh, one of the trivia things. My favorite piece of trivia ever is that um, Marshall said that this scene was inspired by the film Excalibur, and um, show your work. I <laughs> do. I don't. <laughs> I, don't uh, I think he just meant maybe that King Arthur and Merlin were in it uh because nothing nothing, also nothing resembling the, the john borman film which is not magical and and one of the reasons that movie's great we've done it on the show is that how like hyper realistic it takes all the magical uh stuff in like this muddy gross way and i love the idea that like oh yeah that scene was inspired by excalibur in that that movie also featured two of the characters
0: yeah that is clearly a director trying to like uh earn genre cachet um uh-huh. Yeah. It, it, because the, the, it yeah, doesn't it show it at all um, but it's a black and white sequence that opens yeah. um, and we meet uh, Mila, Mila Jovovich as the as the Nimu queen of blood she gets chopped up she gets put in a box this all very much looks like Sucker Punch era just cheap yeah. shitty um, fully CGI set kind of deal. I know the tree and probably some of the shit was was real, but like it's 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 one of those things where like, oh, it's black and white and it's all clearly CGI some of monsters. Yeah. yeah, one pop of color. Um, but it's it, oh, and then uh, <laughs> Professor Broom, uh, voiced by just one of the best character actors of all time, trying his hardest to make this interesting, goes. Yeah, that King Arthur. Oh, I know, god damn. Like the opening narration is bad. What what an incredible waste of Ian McShane. <laughs> My god. Also, like, let's just get out of the way. Ian McShane as Broom is just horrible casting. But if you're terrible gonna, casting. But if you're gonna like I guess it makes sense for this movie where but Remember again, the casting asshole? seemed good at paper because I'm like, oh, like that's the thing about the casting of this movie. We
1: keep saying it looks good on paper. It looks good on paper and that I see names that I like. It actually is terrible casting for the majority of this movie, minus Daniel Day Kim.
0: Sasha, Sasha Lane is, is, you know, good enough She's casting fine, yeah. for, uh, you know, I guess Ian McShane and Sasha Lane are both good casting for the characters that they're in the movie. Um, Sasha Lane would be interesting casting if they had made Hellboy not seem like a fifty year old guy who has not stopped drinking since. If he wasn't, if he wasn't Hopper,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, Sasha Lane is a bad love interest for Hopper on the television show Stranger Things, ergo, not a good love interest in
0: this. Yeah, movie. but she's good. She's good in this movie as just like, kind of, kind of like. Sca- like a scary psychic fun kid I-, I guess like that's what the character becomes in this but it's it's not good casting for who it isn't in-, in the comic book but that's not a problem of that's not her problem that's a script problem and then Ian McShane is actually like real cast because in this Ian McShane is essentially he's like John Wick's handler or whatever like he's basically just yeah. like exploiting Hellboy to fight the darkness yeah. and he's like yeah the whole he- thing is like I'm not a dad to you you're my tool yeah, yeah, exactly. Which like is a great Ian McShane casting decision, but like it just the whole movie has this gross acidic quality where nope, yeah. nobody's likable. Um, but anyway,s Ian McShane goes, yeah, that King Arthur, and that's the that is one of my my least favorite script writing things where they're like, yeah, I know this seems like dork shit, but
1: <laughs> yeah, you're, you you trying to distance yourself from something because you think it's stupid doesn't make it less stupid if you say i know this is stupid
0: right like man that's the problem did to make it not stupid make it not stupid yeah and also like here's the thing about this movie
1: um it is decipherable to me a person who has read all the comics i could i I can imagine if you didn't read the hellboy comics that this is just, like, complete fucking nonsense. Because, like, the thing about the King Arthur stuff, like, it's kind of, it's funny to me that they were doing that in a reboot. Because that's, like, six Hellboy book crazy shit that they earned through all the good Hellboy stuff that we've gone through. So, like, it's successful in the comics that... He's the de- descendant of King Arthur. He uses X- Excalibur to save Britain. All that shit sounds stupid on paper, and it works really well in the comics for a variety of reasons. Starting your movie with it and recognizing that, ah, oh, man, this is just not a good way to start your movie because, again, we didn't do any of the things to get to the point that Hellboy suddenly has Excalibur and is the King of England, but we're just going to kind of start with all the King Arthur stuff. It... it it again, you didn't. You didn't make it good. You didn't make it interesting. You didn't earn the right to get to some of the the, the on paper goofier shit. But then again, to your point, Peter, I hated that too. That idea of like, oh man, this is not going to come across well. What if we go? This is stupid. Like, again, great. So, best case scenario, I agree with you, but that doesn't make me think the it's less stupid, right? I'm yeah. just now agreeing with the movie that it's bad.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Deadpool shit, right? Like you you know the direction they're coming from. It's just not a direction I want in my Hellboy movie, right? Like, well, but he that like ironic detachment from everything, like that's 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 like a Deadpool joke. Is like, oh, the scene isn't very interesting, huh? Let me do something to make this scene weird and ironic. So when those things happen, like
1: those break the the fourth wall, and then that's a movie that is setting up something for a laugh, not setting something up to be taken seriously. They're taking it. The movie itself ultimately takes it seriously, but they're worried that they're going to go like this. Someone's going to go. This is goofy shit. It's like we're going to look lame if we don't say that we're too cool for this stuff and like that actually makes it lame right like trying to be too cool for your for your goofy thing is what makes it stupid but to my point like we'll get there like so this movie is cobbled together between five different plots like whole books worth of of hellboy stories i imagine if you had not read the hellboy books that this movie is completely fucking gobbledygook, indecipherable nonsense. And and I can imagine that actually being I, I do think this movie was bad for me, someone who has read the Hellboy books. I imagine this movie is somehow worse if you've never read them. Because it does nothing besides piece together a bunch of stuff that from the comics in a way that is just like 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 we just talked about the um Bobby Yaga scene, which we really like because Bob Yaga is a big part of the Hellboy books, and it's really cool to see the portrayal here it's It's cool to see the house. it's cool to see all that stuff. If you're just watching this movie at some point, Hellboy just disappears from the scene, talks to some random lady in a in a chicken leg house uh, and then gets everything he needs and moves on with his life like even that part is just like, what the fuck was that like it would have felt i think to me like what we were talking about. Uh, a couple weeks ago with the Hellboy animated stuff where it's like or the Blade stuff even just like okay I don't know what any of this stuff is but it's just constantly getting from point A to point B to point C to point D and if you've never read the comics you can't even really soak in the imagery is like well at least this is cool to look at because I uh, and I had read it so many times before
0: you can build your own universe you can do whatever you want but like you have to replace the the, the what is lost with something that is is, is equally valuable yeah um and I don't need this to like. I read the comic books. I understand what the experience is there. I don't need this to to perfectly replicate it. But I, I need you to not feel like you're also shitting on the thing that I like. Um, yeah. And I feel I do feel like this is kind of shitting on a thing I like. Like I I feel yeah. like it's it's finding the entire idea behind like, well. Remember these stories that you ignored in your ancient history class? Like, what if we turned that into a horror story like that? (laughs) That's like a very like cute and novel idea, I think, for for comic books to take on. Um, But here, everything that I might be emotionally attached to or everything I might find charming is being laughed at a little bit. Like the fact that Ian Ian McShane is playing like this, like almost like John Wick world Handler. Yeah, he's, he's playing as John Wick guy. Yeah. That's what he's playing. A- after, okay, so the Del Toro movies brought in uh a sort of sweetness to Broom that wasn't there much before. And then Magnoah was like, you know, I should really lean into Broom as like this like sweet parent who, you know, maybe he fucked up along the way, but like he always believed in Hellboy. And all these all the BPRD comics and and the Hellboy Hellboy in the BPRD comics like sort of just reiterate that right and this it's like you can't like take that feels like taking a step back it's like if you're gonna if you're going to have Ian McShane play that sort of character like I need to have it balanced out somewhere I need to have like Liz or Abe act as like a a true family to him or I need like Kate to be standing up for him and you know, it's sort of an alternate reality where Broom did just recruit Hellboy to be a monster to fight monsters like Ian McShane. If you're talking about the comics, Ian McShane would be actually pretty good casting to play Ed Gray. Yeah, because like oh, Ed yeah, Gray 100%. is just pissed off and murderous the whole time and he fucking hates witches. And he wants to put a bullet in every witch's head like that's that's really great casting right there. And this movie includes Lobster Johnson inexplicably. And spe- and and the reason where I'm going is it includes Lobster Johnson with a weird oh, amount yeah, of I for- reference. I I have notes about it and
1: I forgot Lobster Johnson. But again, that thing that's like they don't do anything with it in the movie. So if you didn't read the comics, what the fuck is that scene to you?
0: Yeah, there's two scenes. There's the there's the well, I know the, there's the mid there's thing and then there's like a stinger thing and the stinger scene scene is purely just fan service and it it pissed me off and then um. The, but the first scene is fan service too. Like the first scene is kind of fan service, but it's also kind of a fuck you to fans because there's Lobster Johnson just dispenses with Rasputin as if the movie oh, is yeah. saying, "Oh yeah, that Rasputin shit was stupid. We're not We're not, doing, we're not doing him again." Yeah. Sure, but again,
1: who would you think that person is if you hadn't read the comics? Like at no point do they even all at one point is Hellboy's like, "I'm a huge fan like of who?" Like, what's that guy got to do with anything? At least they got Lowell from Wings.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They finally got Lowell from Wings. They pulled him in. You know, they were courting him for a long time. Del Toro's one dream was like, I really want to bring in Lowell from Wings
1: in some capacity. Ideally, the whole cast of Wings. But I think Lowell, I got to set my sights small and build up. Let's start with Lowell and build a mountain of... Uh, Steven Weber's and, uh, and
0: other uh, cast Monk. members of Wings,
1: Monk. <laughs> yeah, you go plays Monk. Yeah, that was a that's a good grab. Who's on Wings. This is where our age difference really shows. That I used to watch Wings, Peter. It Listen. aired after Cheers. Listen,
0: uh, then- my ability to uh, appreciate these sitcoms is purely based on whatever got the Nick at Night treatment. <laughs> Oh, no!
1: Wings is a Nick and Night show for you! It's an edgy sitcom for me! <laughs>
0: <laughs> My parents would let me watch because people had sex! Yeah, they were all horny because of their wings, right? Oh, well, they were horny. Because everyone um, in the show had wings. It's like an angel show, right? Where everyone has sex? Yeah. I assume was, the show uh, Angel was uh, also about this.
1: No, it was a Della Reese, um, uh, uh, Roma Downey, uh, a guy, a white guy, blonde hair. They, they put were, white guys in movies. They were quite touched by the wings. The <laughs> <I think this laughs> show's called "Touched by Wings."
0: <laughs> um. Yeah. I, I did not, you ever hold on? Have you ever seen an episode of "Touched by an Angel"? I've never seen any an episode of "Touched by an Angel." I've seen. Were you aware that that was of the Angel show I was referring where somebody to? Somebody is physically touched by David Boreanaz. Does that count? Angel's a good show. Touch by an Angel, like, I used to occasionally,
1: like, watch that because my parents were watching it. Um, it literally is a show where, like, <laughs> it's like Quantum Leap, if, the, if there was three of them and they were all angels, and they would like, show up to different areas every week and they'd be like, Helping some person who's like, I think I'm going to divorce my wife. And like, the, you know, one of them would pretend to be a co-worker and one of them would like. And at the end, it would end the same way every week where this light would shine on all of them. And we're like, God wants you to stay with your wife. Like 90s TV was fucking nuts, Peter. That was a huge show. It was just people like the, the it was quite a leap with angels.
0: So hold on. So this is different than the HIV thing. No, yeah, no. This isn't Angels in America. This is it's called Touched by an Angel.
1: It aired on like an actual network and uh, it was CBS for nine seasons.
0: So did David Boreanaz show up in the first season and then just like leave? I don't, I don't think he was. I don't think he was in it at all. If I'm going to be honest with you. But isn't he Angel? Uh, he's Angel, yeah. So it's not touched by the Angel. It's such by just any... Are they all angel players? Peter! Cosplayers? Peter!
1: <laughs> no, I don't know. If they, get, they get the spotlight and they're like, it's true. God is real. And, you know, Roma Downey has an Irish accent. I'm like, God is real. I, I, I'm I, not your pretzel maker, co-worker. <laughs> I'm an angel. <laughs> Go to college. Nine years! For that. Um... Um... um Okay, so here's what happens in the rest of Hellboy 2019. So, we get the beginning, and then it goes to the next part, which is Ian McShane. And one thing I like, they show the BPRD, like, Colorado headquarters, which is kind of... Again, the the parts of enjoyment I got from this movie is like, oh, I saw that in a book. That looks cool in real life, or quote-unquote real life. Um... And he's got to go meet the Heliopic Brotherhood of Ra, which, again, is this huge plot thing that goes all the way to the end of the Hellboy books here. They're old friends with Broom. And then he goes there on a giant hunt, and then they immediately try to kill him. So all the all the stuff just happens really quickly. But then he kills all the giants to dad rock. And then uh, what? What next? what's the next book they go
0: to? Oh, then... What's the what's the pig's name? I'm forgetting. Uh, name. Is it Grugra? Grugra? Or is that a yeah, Dave R- Matthews band album? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the,
1: that's the uh, Grugra King, I think. Yeah. Bow! Before the Grugra King, as they would say. He's helping to get the Blood Queen, which kind of happens in, in the Hellboy comics. But, like, her body parts are scattered all around, and he's starting to collect them, and they're trying to, like, kind of solve the mystery. And... Um, then you meet Alice, who Hellboy's like, "You're my only friend. I trust you. I knew you when you were a baby." Like you don't know if she became shitty. You haven't seen her in twenty years. Anyway, um, then uh, what happens next, Peter? Something about the apartment after the giants, because she comes and saves them. And then yeah, he
0: fights. He fights the. He fights the giants after being betrayed by the Brotherhood. Um, and he meets runs into Alice Monahan, who was saved as a child. From, yeah. uh, by Hellboy from, because they're from Grugak. Grugak was a changeling at the time, and, uh, Hellboy switched, uh, which was like a fun little Hellboy story that they turn into like a whole thing. Um, and she now has a psychic ability to, to, to talk to the dead. They go back to the Brotherhood of Ra. All of them have been slaughtered by Grugok, who's kind of going... Like, I actually like a lot of the Grugok, like, sort of slaughter scenes. Like, I think that Grugok... Oh, yeah. The, that's, where, like, that's where, like, his
1: horror background really shines through. Like, there's some super gross murder scenes that
0: are fucking great. Tim murdering that entire, like, monastery of monks is... Great. ...rad. There's, like, actual, like... Yeah. Uh, like Prosthetic body parts being thrown. There's yeah. actual blood splatter. Like the the monster itself is just like a CGI thing, but like it looks great. And there's a moment where he tears off a monk's, tears out a monk's vocal cords to fake his voice so he can open. Oh up yeah, puts cord. it in his
1: mouth and starts talking to. to that yeah, shit is rad. So
0: there's a point in this movie where I was like, wait, is every scene going to be good? boy, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, i don't think uh, that's that far off either yeah i don't think it's that far off like i think that there's a lot of scenes in this movie where i was like oh they didn't have to have david harper in the scene doing a weird potato-faced hellboy oh this is like it's kind of working for me anyways um the Grugak, on the side point, is trying to uh, reassemble Nimu's pieces because he wants her to become For the Blood Queen, yeah. r- reunite the forest people, the trolls, the goblins, blah, 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 and, and, and restart this war against man. Mila Jovovich's head is in a box. There's a really great scene of her being reassembled inside like this dead British people's home. And it's a really great scene that turns really terrible because Nimu says basically she's watching reality tv as inspiration <laughs> oh yeah fuck i hated that so it's much. it's fucking miserable it's it's just fucking pissed off dad bullshit where he's like instagram influencers um and then uh but her being pieced together on what the, the couch, deal with airline food they're, they're charging for it separately now what is what is the deal with airline food they charge for it separately now huh but people didn't want it so that's why they charge separately for it. it's kind of like a desperation thing yeah i know it's like the whole thing
1: like okay well we'll make your tickets eight dollars cheaper and you don't have to eat it fuck you
0: (laughs) you give me that garbage food give me the garbage um yeah so uh she is being pieced together eventually she is she is whole she entices uh when she becomes whole she uh, is up on the mountaintop that she was slaughtered on by king arthur and merlin and she entices Hellboy and Alice uh, to jo- just Hellboy, I guess, to join um, her-, her cause and be her king to her queen. And the the entire idea is that Nimue is this like queen of blood. But if her combined with Hellboy's sort of fate, his destiny to be this destroyer of Earth, them together could just absolutely render the planet um the fucking magma field not totally sure uh if that's that was the intention of the queen of blood in uh the original comic cause uh no I don't think so Hellboy killed
1: all those witches and she basically is like yeah it's it's not that's not it
0: what good is it for her to take back the earth for the forest people if Hellboy is gonna turn it into a a magma pile oh yeah yeah yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No, it makes no sense. Um, but it's like, ah, I'm going to try and seduce you to evil. But all, Mila Jovovich is not. She was at some point a very good actor, but I think being directed by her husband for 15 years probably ruined her. Um, her husband, who also, don't worry, also became a bad director in that time period. <laughs> they both. Yeah. They both made each other worse at their art. Wow, uh, just to let you know, the worst
1: letterbox reviewers are going to be all up your ass for saying that, because if I had to see, <laughs> didn't you know Resident Evil Part 6 is one of the best movies that came out that year?
0: Yeah, that that whole, uh, that whole... Vulgar- it's vulgar tourism a- Peter! Uh, Hellboy is, like, yelling at his dad or whatever, and Hell on Earth is actually coming to... Also, hold oh, wait, Peter... I forgot to tell you, I think you should see
1: Messenger Joan of Arc and tell me that uh uh Yokovic used to be a good actress.
0: I saw that growing up and I thought she was good in it. Is it is she bad mm. in it? She's terrible in it. I I, I thought that in fifth element. I remember being like, she's gonna have a she's big She's great
1: group. in fifth element, but I yeah. mean She's gonna have a big career someday. She just all she says is like bleep boop boop. <laughs> like I'm Excuse not, me, it's not a meaty Lilu, And Lilu loves love. Okay, <laughs> you're the I'm the fifth element. I don't need to talk. I'm an element. You don't ask water for
0: lines. Unless Luke. you're asking the shape of water for lines, in which case it goes. <gasps> <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's wrap cap. this up,
1: and let's uh, wrap this up, and or. Talk about what would happen if Mr. Ed, uh, played (laughs) Grogroon.
0: Well, (laughs) it appears your limbs are not connected to your body anymore. More peanut butter! (laughs) I'm just a simple horse,
1: but I... (laughs) but i don't like the Hellboy boys suck me up the chimney <laughs> why is that red guy
0: swearing at me all the time <laughs> chill out you this is the eisenhower years the big red guy because he's screaming and swearing and asking where his next fix is I don't know if he knows
1: that, but horses get yelled at quite a bit because we're animals and people don't treat us too well.
0: He thinks he can just shave his horns down and all of a sudden he isn't an animal. Is that girl supposed to be a love interest because she's too young for you? (laughs) I don't know if she's too young. She's definitely too little. She's too tiny. Also, he's too ugly. <laughs> he's too angry. Yeah, he has a, he has an anger problem. Um, oh, yeah, so I, at some point he finds Merlin, and Merlin's like, take the sword. And he's like, I'm not going to take the sword. And you're like, why is this scene here? Um, so, Just so you know, it's Excalibur, so later when
1: it shows up again, he's like, all right, here's the sword. Yeah, and-, and, and the, I like how Merlin makes a big thing about- well, you really fucked that up because that was the one shot to take the sword and he didn't take it. And then during the climactic fight scene, the sword shows up again.
0: And he's like, well, except for in 20 minutes. You know, it's either now or in 20 minutes. It's either now or when you need it most. Yeah, you know, beyond then, I can't say. But it will be there. Are you you saying that, like, I
1: can have the sword when I need it most and don't need to lug it around for 30 minutes? That seems ideal to me. All right. Well, great. You killed me. My last amount of strength. (laughs) Thank you. Hellboy.
0: Thanks. I'm Merlin out, you know? (laughs) (laughs) He is like, Yeah, Merlin. That Merlin. Yeah. He doesn't say that. that That's the implication
1: of that scene. Um,
0: so yeah, uh, also fun is that, uh, they steal the moment that's very particular to Hellboy 2 where, um, Hellboy gets a spear lodged in him and they need to make a great trade-off with the angel of death and they steal that moment purely. So they have to go talk to Merlin to take a barb out of the heart of Alice, um, because, or the neck, I guess. Um, and Merlin, yeah. they're like, there's only one person that can possibly pull this thorn out of a child's neck, and it's Merlin. You're like, <sighs> record scratch. You mean Merlin the wizard? Was he the guy in the beginning of this movie? That scene <laughs> inspired by the 1981 John Borman film Excalibur? <laughs> That'd be a great IMDb trivia. <laughs> <laughs> though neil marshall claims that the film was inspired by the john borman film excalibur as well as hellboy yelling hey do you remember that scene that was inspired by john borman's excalibur the film appears to show no evidence of being inspired by john borman's excalibur i love the idea that when he sees Merla, he's like whoa weren't you a character invented
1: exclusively for john borman's 1981 film excalibur He's like, no, uh, I wasn't. Uh, and no. then when he sees that pig, he's like, weren't you a character exclusively referenced in the 1977 John Borman film Deliverance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: exclusively referenced. Exclusively. Um, yeah. So I would love for the little piggy to squeal, but we got to keep going. Um, so I think it's over. I think it's over. He so sword. skipped has... a lot. He did uh, he did uh his dad died. Uh yeah, I guess Hopeboy's dad died. So there's a plague going around England um and the plague oh, yeah, is cause... killing people and it's 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 NIMU walking around going hey Just touch it. Why don't things. you fly this out for size? Wait, no. No, let me try that again. Hey. Hey. Buzz off. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what, like, you,
1: you mentioned, like, her, uh, her trying to make a deal with Hellboy to save all the people because she's actually, like, a she's actually, like, Antifa or something. But, like, her whole thing is, like, she, her portrayal is, like, bad, like everything else because, like, she's, it's hard to, to take this, like, evil that's witch that's going to take apart the end of the world seriously when she's, like raising a skeptical eyebrow at like Real Housewives of Atlanta and then she's like, we can do this together. Save the people. And then she's just walking down a street like going, boo, boo, and then people are like turning into ash. It's kind of like, okay, what, what is your deal?
0: What's the deal with Nimu?
1: We need to talk about Nimue.
0: I don't know. I have a bad feeling about that Nimu kid. Let her
1: go to gym and let's just talk about it afterwards.
0: <laughs> oh uh, man her insect class is going very well I don't know why she's performing so well there um <laughs> but yeah so she's a crack shot with those with those life insects. Yeah. Uh so yeah they there's like a whole plague happening down in in foggy London town and so hellboy uh decides to go and, and beat up Nimue, and there's sort of a ghost Oh I like the vision
1: of him I like the vision of him with uh, his full uh horns and stuff destroying the world that part's cool
0: That part is bold it's like very- 60 seconds that part, that part is both very cool and also um, I wish I was more attached to the character at that point. Because I think this kind of, like, points me towards the end of the, the episode. Which is, uh, Hellboy is, like, it, it is a good evil story. It doesn't work with all this, like, moral gray. Where Hellboy has this, this, this angry rant at some point where he's like, I'm a monster and you're asking me to kill monsters! Because they just, like, make it into this dumb, like nuance free conversation whereas like in the comic books like Hellboy H- H- is very much like invested in like the the like judging each individual person and monster by the content of their character and like him just having this part where he's just yelling about the what the uh, the the the, the, uh, the auspices of a theme are is is just why maybe
1: I will go kill everyone okay oh boy <laughs> cool.
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then he just lets him go and you're like, well, hey, buddy, you're the reason that this uh, vector of the apocalypse still exists. I think you have some, you know, propriety here. Um, and And I love that Hellboy says goddamn humans. In the comic books, Hellboy would never say that because Hellboy is desperately, not only thinks he's a human, but is trying to get everyone else to think that he's a human. There's, they've referenced also, dozens of times. Also, he not
1: use even that strong a language. Uh,
0: yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty potty mouth for old Hellboy. It's not potty boy. It's not toilet boy. He's, yeah. He's Hellboy. Um, but yeah, he, uh, yeah, he goes to the church, uh, there's a big Gruga gets turned into a big monster um, because this movie makes no fucking sense. Right when Gruga is about to fucking murder Hellboy and Ben Damio, which by the way, they make this big deal about Ben letting himself turn into a jungle cat. And then he immediately gets smoked. Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? If you're going to have the moment where he finally lets, lets his, his, his freak flag fly, he needs to go do some rad shit. He needs to be the one that beats Grugog. Instead, Grugak beats both of them, beats the shit out of them because he's now super powered. And then, right in the moment where he's going to kill Hellboy, uh, Nemy walks in. And she's like, she's like, I want you to really kill him. I want you to do it. Stop. Yeah. And then she turns into a little, to a little abortion, and just he turns to a little splatter on the floor. He, she Benjamin buttons him in like fast motion.
1: Yeah, which again if anyone was sympathetic in here you'd go like, "Oh my gosh." But instead like Mila jo- uh, Jokovic doesn't like a like a mother too that like like abortion's kind of the right word or something. Like maybe like a Sophie's choice like, "I'm sorry, my sweet baby, but you've you flew too close to the sun. I need to kill you to protect." But like you don't care about anyone. So it's like, "Okay, well that's weird."
0: Couldn't she have just asked then,
1: him to stop first? Well, yeah, like, hold on for a second. Let her. me ask him the question one more time. Will you join me? Because when he says no, then she tries to kill him. Just like, like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. One, one last time. I got one more question. Uh, but then she breaks a hole in the floor, and then he has Excalibur. Then essentially the movie's over, except for the worst CGI I've ever seen in my fucking life, rivaling the Scorpion King, where Ian McShane projects out of Alice... As a ghost head on a on a, a formless body, and it literally is Peter. It's like it, it's like fucking the Rock and Scorpion King and Mummy too. It's like what is this?
0: Uh, it's from yeah. 2019. Reminds me of the cover of that movie Haunting in Connecticut that made no money because it was like just this weird meat monster coming out of a, a boy's mouth, and you're like. Yeah, like, this would look cool if it was, like, a practical special effect, but instead it is, it looks like late 90s CGI, and Hellboy has a full conversation with Ian McShane where he's like, hey, yeah, asshole, don't while. destroy the Earth, and he's, and Hellboy's like, I guess I shouldn't destroy the Earth. My dad came out of uh, a child's mouth and yelled at me. <laughs> so anyways, then we get, oh, hold
1: on, three Post-credits scene. The first one is the the you know does the quick credits and it goes to uh, six months later. They're investigating another society, the Atlantic Society, the the they, Uh They're all funny, joking teammates, and they move aside <clears throat> the writing, and it says. Ichthyosapien, and if you are familiar with the comics, Hoo Boy. Uh, they were gonna try to they try to get Doug Jones for this and he couldn't do it because of Star Trek where he was gonna like pop his hand out and throw his head up, but um I'm glad you didn't do that because Doug D- D- Jones, you don't need to be associated with this movie. Uh then there's a mid-credit scene which has <laughs> Lobster Johnson uh has Hellboy being starstruck by Lobster Johnson uh, I, once again. Something that is only pertinent to you if you uh, have read very specific comics. Um, He does show up in a couple Hellboy stuff, but chances of you like remembering that to the point that you know why this scene is anything uh, or even a stinger scene is um, would be would be surprising. (laughs) And then it has a final final credit scenes where (laughs) Bobby Yaga so much ass. I know this makes so bad. <laughs> and then there's a final, final credit scene where Bobby Yaga uh, <laughs> Essentially sends Koshi the Deathless, but he, it's more just like... You only see Bobby Yagani's he's like, I made you Deathless. She's like, I made you Deathless. I wonder who it is. What a tease. I made you Deathless. Now go kill Hellboy. Like, all right. So none of that's ever... None of those things are ever going to lead anywhere. Because they're not going to make a sequel to this piece of garbage. Uh Peter, my final thoughts are once again, glad we're not ending the month on this. This movie is as bad as you've heard. It is somehow better if you've actually read the comic books. I imagine it's indecipherable garbage if you haven't. Um and everything about this movie um shouldn't have been made. And it's you know, it's hard to not you know, the final thought is that it's just like, if there would have been, like, a, a three-and-a-half-star movie here that was more horror-tinged and had some cool moments, like, again, even that is not as good as probably what we got would have gotten out of Hellboy 3. But like you said, like, you can't you can't make war with reality to a certain point, especially when it comes to something as ultimately insignificant about which movie gets made or not. And so, like... It would have been something worth accepting. But the fact that, like, Mike Magnolo or the studio or some combination of the two pushed Del Toro out to make this giant piece of garbage that was completely unsuccessful, had no fan base interested in it really going in, and then definitely had no fan base on the other side is uh, such a huge fucking waste. Like, spend that $50 million to get Del Toro, make a Hellboy 3, and you probably would have at least doubled or tripled your money and uh made a lot of people happy as opposed to whatever this is so uh you know the the irony of like bad artistic decisions leading to bad financial uh Actualities is something I generally like, but I don't like it when it's about a property I love so much and will probably make the next executives go, Nah, we lost so much money on that last Hellboy movie. We don't need to do another one, even though that's not the fucking reason why they lost so much money on the last Hellboy movie.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I actually want to end on a positive note, really quickly. Great, um, because I love Neil Marshall, um, and there's I do not know how we have not done Doomsday yet. Doomsday is a is a banger of a movie. It's it's a it's a true we love to watch movie like we I've never even seen it. It's you should watch it this weekend. It's great. Um, it's a true love to watch movie where it's like it's like a beer guzzling wild genre action adventure. It's very competent at what it does. It's wildly fun at every turn, and it's a movie that was reviewed very poorly. Like it's a perfect we love to watch movie. We gotta cover it, but it's you can tell Neil Marshall was hammer was just like hammered by producers here because. Like in the same era, he was directing big Game of Thrones action sequences that you can tell where the characters are every minute. Like you're never lost in the you're never lost in the shit. You're always there. He there's always a sense of place. Whereas in this movie, there's literally a sequence where they're all in a forest fighting, shooting zombies. And you're like, oh, yeah, where are they? What are they doing? Are they in danger? Or is this just like a fun fuck around thing? Like, what's going on? It makes the characters and the director look incompetent because you're like, well, it's not that they got overwhelmed. There appears to be about six to ten zombies. And <laughs> it's, it's it's that it's that the, the camera moved in a weird direction and all of a sudden a zombie skipped forward 20 feet to be in his face. And but like. The thing that's that's wild to me about it is that, like, there's a moment late in the movie. It's, it's, it's just a sequence. Hellboy's not in it. That's why it's good. Um, of these demons rising from the earth. And they all have these rad designs. Like, they all have weird heads and faces. Some of them don't have heads. Some of them are just, like, a big fucking skeleton. Some of them are gargoyles. Just eviscerating the London population. And it's just... 60 seconds of pure stakes. Like you're just watching these, 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 these people get eviscerated by demons and it gives you stakes because you're like, wow it would really get sucked to be dragged over a 50 foot cleaver clean through my body. That sounds miserable. My body gets tossed down the middle of the street. Like that's, that's, I hate that. I hate that to happen for me. I hate that look for me. And that's like one five banger or five star five banger moment at like the end of this miserable movie. They could have made a movie that was incredibly irreverent to the source material. And yet its own thing and this movie just refuses to get out of its way at any point it never makes peace with itself and i'm very glad that neil marshall is back to just like directing movies again because like you know I, i haven't heard like great things about his most recent movie the reckoning i'm still gonna watch it because like at least there's a chance that neil marshall can squeeze out another descent or doomsday or dog soldiers uh in the next few years because the technical skill is still there It's just that, like, maybe we shouldn't be making these movies that are clearly, like, milking a dead cow.
1: Yeah, this was so... I mean, like you said, this whole thing was so perplexing. Because you had something that people were... uh, A committed fan base was chomping at the bit for. And then you gave them something that no one was chomping for. And then you almost like made sure it was going to be just a complete bastardization of something that could have been good. So yeah, the like if you're going to say like, Hey, I know this is literally what everybody wants and everyone wants to pay for. Then you better have such a fucking genius idea that you're going to knock something out of the park and everyone's going to go, Oh, I'm an idiot. That would that ruled um, as opposed to this, which just seemed like, no not del toro script i am in charge of Hellboy. (laughs) you know like it was just a fucking waste uh but thankfully peter we made the smart decision we're not ending the month here we are ending it next week when we're talking about all the great stuff mike mcnola did uh and not the time that he cut out his best friend of making a third part to the movie series they worked on together which is uh, all the Hellboy books. So we'll we'll put a spoiler warning at the top of next week's episode too. Uh, we're going to talk about all of them. Uh, some of them in no detail. Some of them we're not going to remember to mention. I'm looking at you, Crimson Lotus. Um, and some of them, and I'm sure there's some plot points or areas that we're going to go pretty deep in. Uh, if you've never read the entire Hellboy Big Nolaverse uh, and you plan on it, I wouldn't listen to it because we're definitely going to talk about the ending because it actually has an ending to the 25 year. Arc, which is probably best experienced um, on your own. If you're never going to listen or you're never going to read them, uh, we'll try to make it somewhat decipherable to you so we're just not talking gobbledygook for a few hours by doing some setups and descriptions and all the fun stuff that competent podcasts should be able to do. So, with that, Peter, I wish you goodbye in the way that only David Harbor. Uh, as Hellboy could do
0: I hope you have a good fucking night <laughs> thank you David Harbour <laughs> anytime you Good look at me
1: and know I dream of you knowing I love you